0: Oral questions by members?
1: Leader of the Official Opposition.
2: Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to start by first of all welcoming the new Premier to his new role and, uh, and recognizing and understanding the significant responsibilities that come along uh, with that role. Now, having said that, the Premier has also uh, been and had responsibilities as the Attorney General uh, for the past five years. And in that role, he was the architect of a failed catch and release policy that was responsible for an explosion of violent repeat offenders being immediately released back into communities. For the better part of a year, mayors, communities, and this opposition have been calling for specific actions only to have the Premier at first deny that there was even a problem and then spending months ignoring these very calls for some action. Under pressure, he announced in the spring that he would hire two consultants to spend four and a half months to figure out how he should do his own job. Then when he realized that the issued report was in fact a damning indictment of the job he had done as Attorney General, he quietly released it on the Saturday of a long weekend. But during that time and those delays, for no other reason than a cynical political reason to delay having to make a decision until he became Premier, over 900 British Columbians became victims of violent random attacks in Vancouver alone. And yet today, the arsonist wants us to believe that he should be trusted to put out the fire that he started and he has stoked. So, my question to the new Premier is, why on earth should anyone trust that after all this time he has finally decided that in fact his government can do something to protect victims of random violent Here. attacks?
1: Opposition House Leader, uh, did I hear correctly you are comparing the Premier with the arsonist? Were, were you comparing the Premier with arsonist? Yes. I would ask you to withdraw that. Withdraw. Premier of British Columbia.
3: Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. I want to thank the uh, Leader of the Opposition uh, uh, for the welcome uh, here today. I want to thank uh, several members of the Opposition, actually, who who welcomed me into this new role, uh, and all my colleagues uh, for their support, Uh, and British Columbians who have reached out to offer support. It's it's a massive responsibility, and I feel the weight uh, to deliver for British Columbians uh, in this job. Um, uh, The member raises a critical issue. You know, I've been across the province and the a leadership campaign talking to British Columbians, and one of their key priorities is public safety. That's why when the urban mayors came to us and said they were seeing this issue in their communities, I asked them to provide us with details. When they did, I immediately asked for the members, right? I asked for assistance from experts in this area. A former chief of police, an expert in mental health and addiction, who provided us with a roadmap. the government has immediately been acting on. As recently as Sunday, I stood in front of uh, chiefs of police Nonprofit service providers, Indigenous leadership, municipal leaders, um, implementing that plan to make our communities safer. The only way we'll get our hands around this is by working together. And I don't believe there's a member in this place that doesn't believe that this is a huge priority, especially with shocking news coming out of Prince Rupert today.
1: Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental.
2: Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, Mr. Speaker, results, not rhetoric, are what matter to the public of British Columbia, and this Premier's track record does not give anyone any reason for confidence. The fact of the matter is, last year in December, he met with the mayors, said to the mayors, show me the evidence, didn't believe that this was a real issue. Then, in April, when the, the mayors wrote to him and provided very specific evidence, of just how his catch-and-release program was creating chaos in their communities, he still did nothing. And Since then, since that time in April, more than 900 British Columbians have been attacked by violent, random strangers in Vancouver alone. That includes, by the way, Mr. Speaker, a young man in Yaletown, 29 years old, stabbed to death, a woman slashed in the neck with a machete. Again, this weekend, another young mother with a child in a stroller who had her child spat upon. And just yesterday, families having brunch at Cafe du Soleil on Commercial Drive were robbed at gunpoint by two armed individuals. And yet, for over five years, We've had this Premier, the former Attorney-General, the Chief Law Operating Officer for the province of British Columbia look the other way and doing nothing while victims have been assaulted each and every day. So my question to the Premier is how on earth can the public have any faith that this soft-on-crime Premier will ever put the rights of innocent victims ahead of a violent criminal's right to reoffend, when his entire career, inside and out of politics, has been about putting the rights of criminals ahead of the rights of our communities to feel safe.
3: Premier. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And thank you again to the member for the question on this issue that matters to so many British Columbians. Uh, you know when we hear uh, uh, in our communities or on the news about uh, violent attack or about uh, uh, prolific offenders, um, it strikes at uh, at the core of feeling safe in our own communities uh, for our families and uh, and I know that people are concerned too about the safety of people that are living outside on the sidewalk struggling with mental health and addiction as much as they feel uh, unease coming out of the pandemic feeling that their downtowns are not the same as before and that 's why this government, under my leadership, is putting a priority on public safety. Uh, as I have uh, in my role as Attorney General, and, and the Member can try to rewrite history, but I will read him a short quote from the
2: then-Mayor.
1: Mem- members? 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 Let's, let's hear the answer, please. Please short continue. A quote from the, the Mayor Prince
3: George. Um, uh, the B.C. Urban Mayor's Caucus brought forward concerns and, as you know, the provincial government has acted very quickly on it. They have two very, very qualified individuals that are going to be doing a review of the prolific offenders throughout our province and come back with recommendations in the next 120 days. And we've acted on those recommendations. And, in fact, the authors of that report have, uh, have said that this is in keeping with what they've recommended, all of us working together to address this issue. This is not an issue that's going to be solved overnight. We see it down the west coast of the United States, in major centres across Canada, It was the core discussion when the Premiers got together from across Canada, the Justice Ministers, to talk about issues. The changes in the federal bail laws that led to this situation across Canada was the top topic of conversation and the key call to the federal government for us all to work together.
1: It's a really serious issue, Hon. Speaker. Leader of the Official Opposition, Second Supplemental. Well,
2: frankly, uh, Mr. Speaker, that Mayor is no longer the Mayor. And the mayor that this NDP Premier was campaigning for in Vancouver is also no longer the mayor of Vancouver because residents were fed up with the of vote. You know, Mr. Speaker, the problem is we've spent weeks and months Members. listening to this Premier and this NDP government make excuses as to why they couldn't possibly do anything about people being violently attacked in their own communities. Opposition, mayors, Communities have been calling for action for the better part of a year, and yet, as the Attorney General for over five years, this Premier was actually the architect who provided over the violent crime explosion that was taking place under his catch-and-release program. Now over six months ago, again, as I say, under pressure, he announced a creative solution that was supposed to deal with this. Nothing changed. And then, since then, more than 900 British Columbians have been attacked by violent random assaults in the Vancouver area alone. This inaction continued during the tainted leadership race he just went through, where he didn't even respond to a single one of the recommendations of the own report that he commissioned for this, this uh, problem. And instead, government continued to put off making any changes. While cynically waiting for this Premier to take his seat so that he could then pretend that he was actually going to solve these problems. In the meantime, hundreds of British Columbians have been victims as a result of those delays. So, my question to the Premier is this why would anyone trust this soft on crime Premier when he's delayed action and played politics at the expense of something so as important as public safety?
3: Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. This government has been taking action on the issue of concern of British Columbians about public safety. Um, I'm, uh, I'm sitting uh, beside uh, the Minister for Public Safety, who uh, presided over the establishment of a new provincial witness program that resulted in 419 charges laid, including 134 murder charges and 77 firearm related charges. Convictions of 32 accused with a cumul of 276 years in prison, just from that one change, Hon. Speaker. Now, I accept uh, the Leader of the Opposition's core point, we need to do more. Of course we need to do more, but I don't accept that I don't have the support across the board from mayors, uh, police, community leaders, Indigenous leaders. In fact, the new Mayor of Vancouver, Ken Sim, quote from yesterday, quote, Today's announcement marks a significant step forward in addressing the ongoing challenges of Vancouver related to public safety. I applaud the Premier and the provincial (laughs) government for their bold leadership and partnership in making these critical investments and policy changes. I look forward to continuing to work together to improve public safety outcomes and ensure the most vulnerable members of our community have access to the support and care they need. I can't wait to work with him and mayors across the province to address this issue.
1: Member for Surrey South.
0: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. You know, I've witnessed the suffering of victims of violence, and nothing has left a a deeper imprint on me as a former police officer than that trauma. But for the Premier, it was his time as a militant activist with Pivot Legal fighting against police that was his most formative. During his time with Pivot Legal, the Premier was well-known for protecting drug traffickers I have quotes too. Curtis Robinson, who was a beat cop at the time with the Vancouver Police Department, this is what he said last week, quote, "One of the things that the premier brought in was providing a multi-language laminated card to the majority of drug traffickers, particularly Central Americans that said, you don't have to talk to the police." end quote. So why Mr. Speaker should anyone believe that the soft-on-crime premier will ever put the rights of innocent victims ahead of a criminal's right shh, to reoffend, shh, shh, shh. given his radical Numbers. past and terrible track record over the past five years.
1: <laughs> Premier,
3: thanks, Honourable Speaker. I'm, you know, I'm incredibly proud of the work that I did as a human rights lawyer in the downtown east side for many years. <laughs> Provided uh, uh, services uh, to people in the downtown east side uh, that needed that support. And, uh, and I'm sorry about the characterization that the member puts on it. But, uh, but that's important work. And, uh, and I have an important job as Premier, which is to respond to the concerns of British Columbians around public safety. And I'm committed to do, to do that. I have the support of police leadership from across the province. This is Deputy Commissioner Dwayne MacDonald, the commanding officer of the BCRCMP Surrey. Uh, who notes just like the member did, that police see firsthand they're the, the social service of, of last resort in communities. And and he said, quote, we are thankful that the province has actioned a multi-agency approach that will bring the right people together to address the issues and ultimately strengthen our collective responses. I'm excited to work with police, with municipal leaders, with communities to address this pressing issue. And the member brings important spirit, experience as a law enforcement officer to this place. I welcome her. Uh, by the way, she's a new member here. I haven't had the chance, so welcome to the House. and I, I hope to hear more questions and suggestions. The member has important feedback, as do all members of this House, about how we address this important issue.
1: Member for South, supplemental.
0: Thank you, Premier Evie for the warm welcome, uh, and I do appreciate that. I also have to say and agree with you that advocacy for people who are vulnerable is important, but keeping people safe as the Attorney General for British Columbia was also an important job, one which I would argue that was not done properly because there were on average six people in the city of Vancouver alone who were victims of random violent attacks in this province. And people are fed up with the Premier's long-standing coddling of criminals and his putting criminal rights over the rights of the public to feel safe. And they're well aware of his long anti-police history. He supported and enabled anarchists protesting the 2010 Olympics. He opposed police as militant activists with Pivot Legal Society. And Police officers who were there at the time said he even distributed laminated cards to assist drug dealers on the downtown east side, showing them how to frustrate police investigations. Under his watch, it's become standard practice that violent, prolific offenders are arrested and then often released before the police can even finish the paperwork. As former sergeant and 24-year VPD veteran Curtis Robinson said, "Quote." The Premier was one of those voices that stood in the way of active and effective enforcement. He drove a wedge between effective policing and those who were active in crime." End quote. Given his long track record of standing in the way of law enforcement, why would anyone trust the soft-on-crime Premier to deliver anything other than the terrible results we've seen over the past five years?
3: Premier, uh, thank you, Honorable Speaker. Um, this is uh, the issue of crime in our communities. Whether it's random stranger attacks, prolific property crime, uh, is an issue that is front of mind for British Columbians, and it's a priority for our government. The announcement on Sunday—I know the member saw it. I know she saw the police officers lined up. Shh,
1: shh, members.
3: lined up with me and with key ministers for public safety, mental health and addiction, and housing, because this is a complex issue. We're talking about all these different challenges. Uh, Doug Lepard, former Chief of Police, who we retained to do the expert report, quote, "...I was extremely impressed. It was more than we expected to happen so soon. All of it is either highly consistent with our recommendations or discussions, so of course we're very pleased government is taking such a definitive and substantial action on these very complex issues, and, uh, and I worked with Doug when he was at the VPD and I was at Pivot. The member's cartoonish version of, uh, of my work is not what happened. This is Member. working together is the core of how we respond to these issues. Addressing mental health and addiction issues in a comprehensive way is what's going to help us get ahead of this crisis, and I'm excited to get to work on that.
1: Leader of
4: the third party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and on behalf of our caucus, we welcome and congratulate the Premier. Uh, and I have a question, Honourable Speaker, through you to the Premier. Will he commit to no new or expanded fossil fuel projects in British Columbia?
3: Premier. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the leader of the third party uh, for the welcome. I uh, look forward to working with her uh, and her colleague uh, in this place, uh, like the member. Um, uh, the government has a very serious concern about climate change and BC maintaining our position of leadership on the issue of climate change. That's why we have the Clean BC Plan. Uh, the Ministry of the Environment has, uh, has just returned from a global conference addressing these important issues, making sure that we are up-to-date and able to respond and ensure that our economy is one that helps respond to the critical issues of climate change, prevent climate change and ensure strong and secure jobs for all British Columbians. On the specific issue of emissions from oil and gas, Uh, we have very clear legislative targets for 2030 and 2050, and any proposed
1: project needs to fit within those targets. Leader of the Third Party Supplemental.
4: Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Just to be clear, the question wasn't on emissions, the question was on new or expanded fossil fuel projects. I think it's very important that British Columbians learn from this Premier what his vision is, his vision on climate and climate action, and particularly when it comes to expanding fossil fuel projects. The conference from which the Environment Minister just returned, uh, headed by the UN, uh, the UN Secretary-General has made it abundantly clear for years now. There is no room for expansion of fossil fuels in any country. And certainly not in BC, where we're nowhere near on track to meeting our emission targets in any way. So, the Premier uh, was recently quoted in the Globe and Mail, and he stated, quote, we cannot continue to subsidize fossil fuels and expect clean energy to manifest somehow. We cannot continue to expand fossil fuel infrastructure and hit our climate goals. I agree with the Premier wholeheartedly on these statements, but here's his opportunity to make it very clear in this House and on the record. Will the Premier commit to British Columbians that there will be no new or expanded fossil fuel projects in this province?
3: Premier. I and all of my colleagues are committed to the Clean BC Plan, committed to hitting our 2030 and 2050 targets around emissions. We have been clear about that since forming government and that remains our commitment to the third party and all British Columbians.
1: Opposition House Leader.
5: Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, one of the uh, most fundamental jobs of government is to keep people safe. Uh, but every single day in Vancouver alone, uh, four people are subject to random and violent assaults. On the weekend, uh, prolific offender Glenn Aslan attacked a mother and a, her 13 month old child, deliberately spitting on the child in the stroller. Now, this is a criminal who is well known to police for previous assault and weapon charges, but this morning he was up. On bail. Also this past weekend, we learned of Mohammed Adada, a dangerous prolific offender with a long criminal record, including five different assault convictions in just the past 18 months. He was arrested for assault with a weapon, but was released and promptly violated his bail conditions. The Vancouver police have issued a warning that he is very dangerous and a threat to public safety. Mr. Speaker, if the Premier had acted even just six months ago, then perhaps criminals like Glenn Aslan and Mohammed Adada, would not have had the opportunity to be out on bail and assault more innocent people. So the question to the Premier is this. How does the Premier look into the eyes of the hundreds and hundreds of victims of violent and random attacks and explain to them why, for the past five years, he has put the rights of prolific offenders to re-offend ahead of the rights of innocent British Columbians to be safe in their communities?
1: Premier.
3: Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Um, You know, I imagine a mom and her young kid going down the street and facing this kind of attack the member described, incredibly disturbing to all British Columbians. And not just all British Columbians, all Canadians. This very issue of people uh, being involved in attacks and being released on bail under new federal rules was the core topic of discussion at the Federal Provincial Territorial meeting all the provinces and the territories across Canada. Now, uh, this, um, this quote will be interesting, I think, for the member to help him understand the complex nature of this federal challenge. This is the Manitoba Justice Minister, Kevin Gertzen, talking about federal bail provisions at that Halifax meeting. Quote, the Manitoba government came with a clear message that too many violent offenders are being granted bail only to then victimize someone else while on bail. I was pleased that all provinces agreed that there needs to be changes to federal bail provisions in order to protect our communities. I've talked to Prime Minister Trudeau about this. I've talked to the Federal Public Safety Minister about this. I've talked with our regional cabinet representative about this, and we will continue to advocate at the federal level to get those rules changed.
1: Opposition House Leader Supplemental.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, uh, what's required is, is less talk and more action. British Columbians want results. They don't want any more announcements. They want this government to get on with uh, helping make them feel safer in their communities. This Attorney General has had five years to do exactly that. Here's what British Columbians know. They know about the Premier's long history of anti-police actions before he entered uh, politics. They know that through deliberate policy choices for five years as Attorney General, the Premier became the architect of catch and release and that he then refused to acknowledge the resulting massive increase in random assaults was even real. They know that the Premier then said he couldn't act, and that he then sat on solutions for months for his own political purposes while people continued to be randomly attacked—900 people in Vancouver alone since the mayors (coughs) wrote to the Attorney General last April. At any point in the past five years—heck, the last year—he could have taken action, but he didn't. He didn't make victims the priority. Why? Because repeat offenders have always been his priority. He knowingly sat there as Attorney General for five years and did nothing. Mr. Speaker, playing politics with the safety of British Columbians is disgraceful. So the question to the Premier is this. Why did the Premier not act months ago? Why did he not act months ago to keep British Columbians safe from repeat criminals like Glenn Aslan and Mohammed Adada? And why should anyone trust this soft, on-crime Premier to actually deliver policies that are the complete opposite of everything that he has believed in and fought for his entire adult life?
3: Premier. Thank you uh, so much, Honourable Speaker. I- it, it's hard to know uh, where to begin with the member's question, but what I can say is that one of the first things Ma- members, one of continue. the first things I did as attorney general, when I was briefed on the fact that our casinos were being used as a laundromat for international criminal proceeds of crime,
1: members, members, members. Premier will continue. When, I, when I was
3: briefed that our casinos were being used as a laundromat for the proceeds of crime for international criminal organizations, I took action, honourable speaker. And I know that the members on that side knew about that issue, honourable speaker. Taking the role of premier is a serious business, and protecting British Columbians is a serious business for me. That is why the first announcement. On a Sunday, I laid out a comprehensive plan with the support of police, nonprofit service providers, and
1: members, members, leadership. Thank you, members, members, member. Please
3: continue. And there are two tracks, honorable speaker. There's enforcement, and there's intervention. Simply because we understand mental health and addiction issues doesn't mean we put up with violent attacks in our communities. That's why there's two tracks intervening to help people break the cycle but also support for police, integrated teams of police, prosecutors, and probation workers to address offenders in our communities. This is critically important,
1: Mr. Uh, speaker. Member for Prince George Will
6: Well Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, The former Attorney-General stands up in the House today as the new premier, and he, talks I wouldn't get too excited. and he talks about how disturbing the attacks are. They were disturbing. And they were disturbing when he was sitting in his chair as the Attorney General. And what did he do about that despite ideas, suggestions, complaints from across the province? Absolutely nothing. And British Columbians paid the price. It is on his shoulders the fact that people continued to be attacked while he sat in that chair and sat on apparently the ideas he came up with on Sunday. Day after day, under this Attorney General's watch, criminals were caught and released. Justin Collins, released with the agreement of provincial prosecutors having 400 police files. Mohamed Majapur, a criminal with 30 convictions and charged with hitting a young woman over the head with a steel pole in a racist assault, but released only two hours later to re-offend. Kenneth Solowin, released despite a brutal machete attack, only to immediately breach his conditions. And Tyler Newton, released. Again, with the agreement of prosecutors, despite being a convicted killer with 51 convictions and facing assault and weapons charges. The Premier sat two chairs over while every single one of these events occurred. And he did nothing. The fact of the matter is, he ignored the solutions that were offered while criminals reoffended and viciously attacked British Columbians. How does this premier expect anyone in British Columbia to believe a word he says when he sat there for six years and allowed chaos chaos to reign on the streets of British Columbia?
3: Premier. Thank you, uh, honorable speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. Uh, this, is a, this is a very serious matter, Honourable Speaker, for people across the province. And not just across our province, across Canada, the federal government, I know the member knows this, the federal government changed the bail rules. There were major Supreme Court of Canada decisions about them that made it harder to hold violent offenders. This was the main topic of premiers across Canada coming together. Uh, sorry, uh, ministers responsible for justice, coming together at the Federal-Provincial-Territorial meeting, pushing the federal
1: government Members, 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 we have heard the opposition already. Please. Please.
3: Pushing the federal government to make those changes. In my first conversation with Prime Minister Trudeau, I raised this issue with him. With the public safety minister. I raised this issue with him. I will continue to advocate on that. And that does not mean that the province doesn't have a critical role to play here. We have new violent offender teams in place, peer assisted teams to help support police so they don't have to respond to every call of a person in crisis, a new model of addictions care under work at St. Paul's. Important work. And, uh, and I'm so proud of my colleagues who have been doing this work and, and delivering for British Columbians, but we know there's so much more to do. And, and Honourable Speaker, I'll just say uh, on, a, on a somewhat lighter note at the end of question period, I understand it is the member's birthday. I want to wish her a happy birthday. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. The
1: bell ends the question period.